Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know it's a cold evening, but that is no excuse to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Actually, it's not a greeting. <laughs> it is a command. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yes, you know the, the service says, let all that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just tell your neighbor, I praise the Lord for you. Tell them, I also praise the Lord for this weather. <laughs> because God has given us this good weather. Tell them I praise the Lord for this time. Yeah, we have a lot of things to praise the Lord for. Amen. As a Reverend Lovis has introduced me, Mukadaiga Misusera, aka Tendo Cookieman. Yeah. Uh, we'll be sharing uh, in God's word this, this evening. The focus this season is on the glory of uh, of God. And friends, knowledge of the glory of God is something that I want us to focus on more, but more particularly what that means for each and every one of us. But before we dash into what we are going to share, let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, your God who is glorious. You proclaim that your glory you will share with none and that you will not give praise to graven images. So even as we come to your presence, we ask that that glory, which you will not share with anyone, will consume us. That that will be our definition. That will be our leading. That Lord will be caught up in that that you want us to be. So even as we share in your word, be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. John 17, 4, Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you sent me to do. That is Jesus coming to the end of his life. He says, Father, in his high priestly prayer, I have brought you glory on earth. How? By completing the work that you gave me to do. So friends, we cannot talk about God's glory. We cannot talk about the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of God without understanding what fills the earth with the knowledge of his glory. Or how will the earth be filled with the knowledge of his glory? And friends, that is God's vision. If you want to ever tap into God's vision, that is his vision. God desires, that is his vision for the world, that the whole earth, every position, every place, every area, will be filled with the knowledge of his glory. And he says, as the waters cover the sea. And so Jesus says, Father, I have brought you glory while you're on earth by completing that work that you gave me to do. So the knowledge of his glory is embedded in the work that he came to do. 
So the glory of God is not so much at times what we think. It's not about us, friends. We are not the center of that glory. He is the center of that glory. The work that Jesus came to do is at the center when we talk about the glory of God. That's why the glory of God is foolishness to earthly glories. The glory of God may not be as splendid as what we think in terms of earthly glory. The cross displays his glory. And I tell when we look at this cross, this is not a good picture for us. It was a rugged cross. Ours will make it very, very beautiful with some designs. It was a place of pain. It signified sorrow. It signified no turning back. It is death. So Jesus says, I have compl- I brought you back by completing that work. And that work was simple. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And he says, the glory that I'm bringing, the glory I'm giving glory is to lay down my life for someone. To lay down my life for those wicked sinners. To lay down my life to redeem them. That is how he brings glory to God. So as we're talking about the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, friends. At the center of it is the gospel. At the center of it is that gospel message. At the center of it is that old, old story. That story that is old yet new at each time it's proclaimed. That message that is actually ancient yet modern at the same time. That story that actually turns rebel sinners into saints. That story that turns wicked men like me into preachers of the gospel. That is where the glory is, friends. The glory is not so much in me coming and wearing something glamorous. The glory is not so much in me coming and doing some poem and this and you stand with a standing ovation. No! The glory is in that message that is foolishness to many. That's why that doesn't make sense to many. And it's what I want us to walk through this particular evening. Paul writing to the Romans, he starts by saying in verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel. He says, there is something I've been set apart for. I, Paul, a former rebel as pertaining to the things of God, a murderer as pertaining, you know, and one was not fit, but now set apart for the gospel that I actually devoted myself to fight. Now he says, I have been set apart for this particular assignment. So now he goes down to say, now I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul, the former soul, the one who goes and witnesses the death of Stephen, he gives approval to his death 
sent letters to go to Damascus to destroy the gospel. Now he says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. He says, there is glory in this. There is glory in what I, I, I actually fought against. There is glory in what I had given myself to totally destroy. Now he confidently says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Friends, the earth will only be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God if we come to terms with the gospel. Each area coming to terms with the gospel. Each office coming to terms with the gospel. Each tribe coming to terms with the gospel. Each area, each region, each country coming to terms. Each heart coming to terms with the gospel. Paul receives God's glory when he encounters the gospel. That's why he says, whatever I considered as profit, I now consider as loss. I consider as refuse compared to this glory in the gospel. The Luganda translation says, Fees in simple terms, if I'm to directly translate it. He considers it as feces, if I'm to use that language. Because there is glory in this. So he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. He says, I, Paul, I know, I'm not just writing to you. I have experienced this power that transforms. I was a rebel as pertaining to the things of God. I actually surrendered myself to see. But now I know there is power. It is dynamite. For everyone who believes. First for the Jew and then for the Gentiles. The glory is in the gospel. And that has to unpack that. He says it is the power of God for the salvation, that is the first word, salvation of everyone who believes he says this gospel has power to serve everyone who accepts it everyone who believes its message there is a salvation they are going to attain a salvation and it says, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Those that are likely, those that have held it, those that have had it right from infancy, right from their ancestry, to even those that are seemingly far away from it. It says, once they believe, there is power for their salvation. It says, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. He attested the power, that dynamite, that good news, that news that proclaims a sinner forgiven. Just that encounter with Jesus, his sins were declared, you know, you are forgiven. And he says, that is the real, the real power. He goes on to say, it is for salvation 
of everyone, not some. Everyone. Bulimuntu. Everyone. And he goes on to say, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He says this gospel shows how God puts right people. This gospel shows how God draws people back to himself. This gospel shows how men are declared not guilty. A righteousness from God is revealed in the gospel. So if the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, this gospel must be proclaimed. This gospel must be believed because it's the only way. It's the only way. It's the only way by which men are put right with God. And if it talks about salvation and righteousness, when one is saving you, that means you are in danger. When you're being put right, that means you're on the wrong side. So he says only the gospel can take men out of danger. Only the gospel can put you on the right footing. Only the gospel can put you in the right place. And that is how the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. So what is the gospel saving us from? What is the gospel? Why or how is it putting us right with God? The youth have a popular beat these days. The gospel is one that is going to kuteleza you so the question is, what is the problem then? What is the problem? When God is envisioning his glory to fill all the earth, that means it hasn't filled all the earth. So there is still a what? A problem. In his nature as God creates us in his image. His nature is a sinless nature. It is a holy nature. He created us right. We are in right standing with him. He places us in Eden. Eden simply means his very presence. So our real, real creation was in his presence. We were created to be with him forever in his presence. To have fellowship with him. And in Genesis 2:15 to 17, he gives us everything. I'll read a few verses as I come to make some points back. Genesis 2. Forgive me, this is an old Bible, so you don't just open it with it. Okay, Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. He gives him everything in his presence and is to rely on his word for life. That was the right standing. That was the place. But of course in chapter 3, man was not content 
with what God had given him. Verse 6 of chapter 3 of Genesis. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. They were not content with what God had given them. They were not content in, the woman was not content in this particular one with what God had made her. God had provided enough food. So the only requirement was, trust me as provider day by day. But the woman now seeks and let on the man to sustain themselves. Walking away from his praises. Walking away from that place of trusting his word. He had given them what was enough. They desired to take his place. They rejected God for other things. In simple terms, they became rebellious. And friends, that is at the center of every human being. A rejection of God's presence. A rejection of God's rule. A rejection of God's leading. A rejection of God's word. And when, I, when you write the word sin, S-I-N, the I is in the middle. I, 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 I. God away. I. Rebellion. So God's glory cannot be filled because we are a rebellious lot. We are a lot that wants I, my. Void of God. Stay in your land. One man sang. One man sang. One man sang. That God take away every burden. Because it's not me who crucified you. But now. You can take every burden, but this burden of adultery, don't tamper with it. I'm still enjoying it. It's a popular song all over. You can hear it in the taxis. Eh? <laughs> and from your neighbor, you can hear it. Eh? <laughs> it's a, a rebellion. I. So man wants to be independent of God. And as such, God's glory cannot be seen. He says, my glory I'll share with no other. I'll not give my praise to even graven images. So what is the consequence? Shame and guilt. They run away from God. They are separated from God. There is broken fellowship. Verse 9. But God called to the man, where are you? That presence is lost. No more fellowship with God. They are dead to God. Verse 23 of chapter 3 of Genesis. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. He's now banished from God's presence. No more. And listen, after he drove the man out and placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Totally separated. And the cherubim are put with a sword. You can no longer come 
You are banished from my presence. You are not in right standing. Where should he say? You have decided to walk out of my presence. You've decided to walk in rebellion. You've decided to sustain yourself. You've decided to choose your own word. You've decided to take the place that I'm supposed to take. Because that was at the center of this rebellion. Man wanted to, to, to topple God. Hey, this is desirable for gaining wisdom. Simply put, let's gain that wisdom and be independent of this God. Let's gain that wisdom and overtake this God. That is our problem, friends. That is man's problem, friends. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All! Bishop, Archbishop. Clergy, lady, all. If God's glory, this is the above God's glory, even those that try just end here. None reaches. All have sinned. That is our problem, friends. So we cannot displace glory. In our nature, we reject God. In our nature, we are rebellious against God. We set ourselves on the throne. And what are the results, friends? We are a polluted lot. We are a polluted lot. Mark 7, 20 to 23 says, it's not what goes in man that makes him unclean. Not even what goes in you. Not what you eat. But out of his heart comes all these evils. The sexual immorality. All these bad thoughts, they spring from within because we are polluted. Twice will he say, we are away from his presence. So what comes out of us is that? We are under slavery. Whoever sins is a slave to sin as John writes in 8.34. We are under the power of addiction. The apostle Paul makes that cry in Romans 7. The evil that I know I shouldn't be doing this, I find myself easily doing. We are under that slavery. We cannot display his glory. But the most terrifying thing, we are separated from God. We do not know God. Even when we try to know him, we cannot know him fully. We are dead. We are dead. Simply moving corpses. The Apostle Paul was a dead man. The Apostle Paul, in his death, he tried to destroy what was supposed to give him life. Now he says, I am not ashamed of this. Because I know this is what gave me life. I'm not ashamed of this. This is what transformed me. I'm not ashamed of this. This is the only way that every man that is dead can be put right with God. Hallelujah. Can we display God's glory by ourselves? Not at all. When they fall in Genesis 3, Verse 7, they saw fig leaves. Just picture that. 
it just takes one day. Will the leaves be any good? The leaves could not cover their nakedness. So no human action friends can deal with the problem of sin. And Isaiah makes it worse, 64, 6. Even our best acts of righteousness are filthy through and through. So simply put, we cannot display God's glory from within. Because within we are actually filthy. Salvation cannot come from within because we are polluted. We are under God's wrath. Whatever we see is cursed. But the good news, God takes the initiative. He asks man, where are you? Where are you? And in verse 21 of Genesis 3, he kills an animal to cover their shame. He takes the initiative. They tried sowing the fig leaves. They wouldn't. God himself kills that animal. God himself sheds blood for the first time. A revelation that we are helpless. In our own energy, we cannot deal with our problem. It is God that we have offended. Yet in his love, it's God who takes the initiative. As Paul moves on this road to Damascus, ready to deal with the Christian church, the God that is offending comes to him. Comes to his rescue. He tells him, I know where you're headed. You're headed to eternal destruction if you continue like this. But because I am merciful, because I am a God who knows you, because I do not want you to perish, he calls him. He sets him apart. He redeems him and he gives him a message. And friends, God is in business of doing that for each and every one of us, that he will deploy us to be agents of his glory wherever he has called us. So it doesn't matter what I am. It doesn't matter what I was. What matters is that the Savior meets me. The Savior transforms me. So when Paul is writing, he writes comfortably saying, Paul is servant of Christ Jesus. If I'm to give a little commentary, Paul a former persecutor, a former murderer of Christ's followers, now redeemed and transformed into a servant and a proclaimer of this message. And so he says, because I know what this message did to me, I am not ashamed. It is the power for the salvation of many who believe. Friends, we have no other shortcut to seeing God's glory displayed wherever God has called us except this, you and me believing in the gospel. You and me taking this gospel. You and me devoting ourselves to this gospel. The only way, your workplace is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. There is no shortcut. It is only through the proclamation of the gospel. That is the bad news I have. That is the bad news I have. If you keep your lips tight without proclaiming it, his glory will not be revealed. Because it's the only way that men are saved. So the gospel reveals our helplessness. We cannot deal with our problem because it is God that we have offended. 
So the question is now, what is this gospel? What is this gospel that actually brings God's glory? Our God is a God of justice, friends. And in his justice, sin must be punished. Because we have all fallen, so sin must be punished. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we may die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Healed from what? Healed from sin. Healed from our rebellion. Healed from the predicament that is before us. Healed from the fact that we are isolated from God. Jesus bears our sins in his body on the tree. So this cross, friends, is real glory. This just God must punish sin. Yet, we cannot handle the punishment ourselves. We cannot fully pay. So God himself substitutes himself for us. He takes on flesh. He shares in our humanity. And he dies in your place. He dies in my place. He dies that you'll be restored to that glory. He dies that you'll be restored back to the presence of God. So when he's praying in John 17, he says, I have brought you glory by completing the work that you gave me. Simply put, my death has brought you glory. Because by my death now many can return to your presence. By my death the rebel sinners can receive forgiveness. By my death the whole humanity that was cursed now can receive a blessing. By my death now the earth can be filled with the knowledge of your glory. Isaiah 53 6 says and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So God lays the iniquity, your iniquity, your sin on him. Your rebellion is laid on Christ. Your rejection of God is laid on Christ. Your selfishness is laid on Christ. So Jesus dies to pay the penalty, friends. So at the center of God's glory is the gospel message. What Jesus does on the cross. Christ's death is the real glory, friends. Because it's that death that that is responsible for your reconciliation back to God. It is that death that brings you in right standing with God. It's that death that saves you and gives you life. So going back to our text, as I come to a conclusion, he says, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. How God puts right people. God does not put us right by anything else except by the death of Christ. And he says, that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He says, for you to be put right with God, faith must be. You must come into right standing with God through faith. 
The knowledge of what Jesus has done is not enough. You must hold it. You must believe it. You must accept it. You must be a part of it by faith. Simple faith. Simple faith. Our salvation is simple faith. A simple faith in what God has done in Christ puts you right with God. And that's why the message of the cross is foolishness. Because many debate. Simple faith? Yes. And I usually challenge many people. Whatever we are adding on is not biblical. It is simple faith in what Jesus did. If we want to see God's glory, we must return to that simple faith. It is as simple as saying, hey, so look at my foolishness. Look at my rebellion. Jesus, only you. Only you. Only you can save. My actions cannot save. Whatever I do even for church cannot save me, friends. My preaching cannot save me. Faith in Jesus Christ is what saves. Is what puts you right with God. And friends, if we are going to seek God's glory, we must return to that old message. What are you preaching? What are you proclaiming? What have you given your energy to? If it's not in the proclamation of this gospel, I have bad news. You're not going to see God's glory in that place. However much you will pray for it. Men must come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge someone here. You've come for this week, for this midweek service. You desire to see God's glory. There is no shortcut. Even if I come and lay my hands on you and add on the shoes. If your faith is not in Jesus, you're not going to see God's glory. Your faith must be in Jesus Christ. That's what I'm going to challenge us to this particular evening. As you come to faith in Jesus, God calls you still to share the same faith. If you want to see God's glory in your family, there is no shortcut. It must be faith in Jesus. As men and women come to faith in Jesus, his glory is displayed. Because he says, Father, I have brought you glory by finishing the work that you sent me to do. Not even the miracles, sadly. He doesn't glory in the miracles. Still the miracles were a pointer to that work. So even his glory... It's not in the miracles. The miracles are not an end in themselves. He says, I have brought you glory. And so when Peter stands in the way, when Jesus begins to talk about his death, and Peter stands in the way to say, you man, you cannot suffer. You cannot see death. What does he tell him? Get behind me, Satan. Because for Peter, this man was walked on water. This man who has healed blind Bartimaeus, this man who has healed this lady that has bled for 12 years, this man who has just multiplied fish and bread, now how can he die? That is not glory, according to Peter. And he tells him, this is the way I'm going to bring glory. I must walk the path of Calvary. 
I must be spat on. I must be beaten. In that is glory. I must be undressed naked. I must hang on that tree naked. I must be ridiculed. I must suffer shame. I must bear the pain. And in that is glory. Foolishness to our own thinking. But why glory? Because you, 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 me, him are being reconciled back to God. Access to Eden is being opened. A return to that place of life is happening. So that is the way God is bringing glory. So I'm going to challenge you. It is by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The righteous will live by faith. The only way you're going to be put right with God is faith in Jesus Christ. And as you come to Jesus, God's glory is revealed. You are ushered in his glory. You now move as his. You are marked. You are sealed. He gives you his Holy Spirit. So, as a seal, you are his. So will I call you as I come to a conclusion? Give us that song. Tell me the old, old story. And I want us to reflect on that song and this message. We are only going to give glory to God when we return to that old, old story. Let us Christ to lead us through that. Tell me the old, old story. Ombulile. Let's reflect as we come to a time of prayer. Tell me the old, old story of unseen things above. Oh, Jesus and his glory. Oh, Jesus and his love. Tell me the story simply as to our little child. For I am weak and weary and helpless and defiled. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story slowly that I may take it. story often for I forget so soon the early dew of morning has passed away at noon tell me the old old story tell me the old 
says the salvation is for all who believe.